let's get ready to throw down. Welcome to the show, everybody. Last week, we talked about motivation and sales, and we were specifically talking about is motivation enough? Is that enough of a driving characteristic that's going to make you successful in all instances of selling? We talked through that, and then over the course of the conversation, it kind of shifted to is there a space where motivation hurts you more than helps you? We're going to pick up the conversation this week talking about how motivation can sometimes be too much and it keeps you from performing at the levels that you want in your sales conversations. Enjoy the show, follow on social media, and please share this with somebody else who might need it. Thank you. So again, it's it's a it's a it's a problem that has a solution. Are you the right person to deliver that solution? I think I'm shooting from the hip here, but like I think you have to be able to frame that to find the problem you want to solve, right? Because like when I was working for you, Al, and I was, I didn't know any of this stuff. I, I, I not been working really at, at like any of this stuff and had a bunch of ego for no real great reason. Um, like I was looking at solving the problem is like, I need to be liked, right? And so like, like that was largely a problem that I couldn't really figure out how to solve. Now, now that I've learned all of this stuff and learned about myself and everything else like this, I view it as like, hey, I can fix your problem. Like you might not like me and that's totally okay. We might not ever need to like hang out or have drinks or, or pal around or anything else like this. But if you have a problem, I can probably at least show you where the problem like really lies and then point you in the right direction. And like, that's a game I can win at. And I'm totally downplaying that all the time. And now that I, now that I know that I am excited to prospect <clears throat> in the network and the, and the, and to get in front of people. But like, I think it's important that you have to view that through like the correct lens, right? And I think we're all here because we've done that, right? Clint wants to win. Nanette wants to like get along with everybody and have like like large amounts of great relationships and peace. And Al wants to do some of that same stuff, but also wants to be liked and all, all of these things. So we know these components about ourselves. And so I think you have to build the question and the problem the right way so that way you do want to solve it. Do you think that's true? Or am I just talking out of my ass? No. No. Go ahead. I do want to say that, um, you know, you said about being liked. I mean, again, it's a component. You you better be doing something for the person you're selling to, because if you're just there to be liked, I mean, you will you, big deal. I mean, you can be liked by the person at the grocery stand. You need to be bringing something to your client they, that they need. You know, I, I think you have to identify that. You have to bring something to their world. It can't just be that they like you. I mean, that's a great component, but there, it ha you have to make something in their life better by that by the relationship you have with them. The current get in my rich, the current get rich quick scheme with like with like online businesses, right? Because it kind of shifts every couple of years, right? Is is this idea of like the agency model currently? And all you have to do is go find people who can do the work. And then you're just the salesperson and you're just kind of passing on their work at a marked up price, right? And uh, there's, a, there's a bunch of people buying into this idea that like, you don't have to know how to do anything, right? It, it, as long as you can have conversations, it, these people will just stay with you. And like what all these people are finding is that they're not actually bringing any value to these relationships to Nan's point. And so then after a while, people are smart enough to figure some of this stuff out, right? And if you are not bringing massive value to the relationships and to the people that you work with, it you know, you're, you're only going to get so far. 
So Al, you were, what do you want to say? Well, no, that, that speaks to the point of our conversation because Nan a lot of times likes to tell me that I don't do any work, that she did all the work, right? <laughs> so why am I getting any of the money, right? And, then, you know, she kind of barbs me with that. And then today I solved a problem and I said, see, that's my currency, right? <laughs> and she stopped and she was like, I think she got it, right? So solving the problem okay is the currency right that is what gets you paid and that problem may be on your end or their end because initially it's your problem how do you get through the door how do you get to the decision maker but then you get to the motivation or you know and you use motivation through all those because the door slams in your face you're like yeah i gotta find the motivation to go challenge another gatekeeper to throw me out of the office right (laughs) <laughs> but then once, but, and I said, it's a short-term scenario. I get past the gatekeeper. Now my motivation is what? To give a good presentation, to show my skill set, to not, you know, spill it all out there, to, to find out what the real problem is that I'm here to solve. You see what I'm saying? You go as far as you can see and you well, see it's how to a go big further. Picture scenario. It's just, it's a big picture. You don't, you have to like. I think I don't, I th- no, I think it's the small picture. I'm first of all trying to not get thrown out of this office, right? Now yeah. you got the big picture, but you got to da- you got to put it into smaller Absolutely. bites, Absolutely. so that you're you know because a plane takes off right from New York going to London, they go X number of miles and they figure out where they are because they're not going in a straight line. They got to zigzag. They got crosswinds. They got to have a bailout procedure. No, seriously. I mean, think about it that way. A sales oh, call is no different. Oh. Oh, we have. <laughs> <laughs> you would think that, that that Al is a pilot for as often he uses like the New York to London, like like metaphor. Yeah, and, I, I, and here's I the deal: we, I love the I metaphor. Bet we could count. I don't know how many episodes we have, but I bet we could count at least ten that that analogy has been used for a topic. I love it. I think it. Just, well, you know, can I, I keep? I'm okay, not shitting on you. I just think it's funny. Oh so I would like to, as you were talking, Al, I was thinking one of my favorite things. So, so you weren't like, listening? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> but one of my favorite things to tell people for motivation, and I don't know if you can really go under that umbrella, but I love when people go, well, God, how am I going to do this? Instead of going, well, just get your butt out there and do it. And I always just go, okay, it's like eating an elephant. And so when you were talking about the different stages and I thought, you know, you just, it's one bite at a time, just take one bite. If you don't, my, the motivation is if you don't take one bite, then you've, you're always going to have a blooming elephant standing in front of you. So take a bite, take a bite, take a bite, and eventually it'll be done. So that's, I, I, I love that analogy of, and I just had to say that. <laughs> I mean, I, um we've kind of been talking around the point, but like, you know, when you can figure out the sections of your process, right? And and let's say that you're very old school, you're very traditional, right? You cold call to get an appointment. The appointment is to qualify to like, see if there's a need, right? And then you work through the rest of your process and then you present a solution, right? If that's your thing, then you have to go figure out like which one of those is the lowest, right? Um, the, <laughs> this guy, he sent me a DM and he was like, hey man, I'm not closing enough. And I said, okay, cool. How consistently are the people that you're talking to qualified? And he's like, well, I don't know that either. And I said, where are you really stuck? And he goes, oh, well, like I'm not getting very, very many appointments. And I'm like, you got to fix that thing first, right? You can't be worried about like 
increasing your closing ratio if it's taking you like 25 conversations to get to like one. So you got, yeah, yeah. nobody qualified to buy, right? Yeah. Absolutely, right? Yeah. And th this to me is the thing that like drives me the craziest, right? Because like people don't actually qualify at all and they just want to rush to a pitch because they get like the nice ego stroke of like, oh yeah, man, I killed that proposal. I killed that pitch. But they weren't even qualified to like hear it. You're just wasting time to like stroke your own ego. It doesn't make any sense. Well, John, you just hit on something that, that, that's kind of universal, right? You know, are they even qualified to buy what you're trying to sell? I mean, that's what a lot of people miss. Yeah. You know, they're highly motivated. They got a skill set, but they're idiots, man. They're, they're talking <laughs> to the wrong people, right? Well, I mean, if... Because it's pitched as this idea that, like, the salesperson is, is influential enough to get them to a yes, Right? Do you really want to get a yes from some guy that doesn't want to buy? Well, I mean, that's, lots of people do. Well. Like, <laughs> I, that's that's okay, and that's why they grind. That's why this this yeah. profession can be so hard on you at times. Yeah. No, I mean, I agree. Right? Like somebody called me out there. They were like, "Oh yeah, you know, John talks about having like a high close rate," and I was like, "You know, I, I have a pretty decent close rate." And they said, "Well." why? And I was like, well, there's lots of people I just choose not to pitch to. And they're like, well, isn't that convenient? And I'm like, why? yes, why? It, it, I mean, it is kind of convenient because I don't pitch to people who are not invested. I don't then have to chase these people around with like a whole bunch of follow-up sequences. And let me go like your stuff on LinkedIn so that we, you know, that I'm still following you and all this stuff that some people advocate and talk about. If you're not really bought in, if you're not really invested, if you don't tell me that you want to hear the pitch because you're really interested in seeing if it's a fit for you, I'm not going to waste the time to pitch you. We're not going to schedule another call. There's no reason to continue this conversation. So, um, and I think that that's important, right? Because, you know, the other side of that ratio is the thing that like, you know, we talked about a lot in the, in the early days of the show. You know, I closed 10% of the people that I, that I talked to. You can't, you can't go and look at the people that you're talking to and find some commonalities in the people who never work with you, right? To Clint's point, he talks about this all the time. We bid and we bid and we bid and we never win anything. I'm not going to bid to you anymore. Why would I do that, right? I mean, it's the definition of insanity to keep doing the same thing and expecting a different outcome. Well, Clint, speak to you, Fire, when you you've come into positions, right? You know, because I know you're a vice president and all of that of a multinational <laughs> company. I'll go ahead and say that. And so in sitting in your position, you, you've often, correct me if I'm wrong, you've, you've spoken to the fact that when you come in, sometimes you clean house and throw a bunch of their business out to the curb. I, yeah, mean, I mean, that's I, a ballsy move. I've done, I've done that, you know, and it's not, it's not because, um, well, because the question is always asked, you know, for me is who, who's our best customers, right? And, and tell me why. And, and that's usually my, like my first month at any new company I've worked at, who's our best companies. And I'll get this laundry list of people, these people, these people, these people. And I'll say, okay, well, why is that? Oh, cause they always give us work and they always do this and they treat us right. Okay. Those are all good. Those are all great things. That sounds awesome. So, so you guys are killing it, you know, like that's kind of the, so, so you guys are just, you, you don't, you don't need any help, you know, and, and then you, and then the next thing I do is I dig into the financials and I get into John's world and the spreadsheets and the data and I start breaking all that down. And I, and it's always funny to me back, uh, to come back to those same people and say, okay, you gave me your top five. These people have made you negative 250,000 over 12 projects, right? And these people that you didn't even consider in your top 10, you've made the most money with. 
but you don't like them or they're not fancy or they, they don't have a big company name with them. Right. But you made maybe 25% gross margin with them. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, so, so then I focused all everything on that and doing exactly what John is saying. I started finding out other people like that probably be, and they're probably successful and those are probably the best customers financially. And also, but it, in my world, it comes down because that's probably what you perform the best in the field. Right. So, why wouldn't we just do a hundred more of those, right? Why, why are we trying to be something that we're not? Why are we trying to do uh, all these great things outside of it? And my theory too is like, if, if you're in a market and you, let's say you, you do a percentage of the market work in one area, like for, for example, in construction, we have commercial, industrial, multifamily, we've got high rise construction. We've got a lot of different, um, avenues that you can go down vertical markets you know so one of the things that's always funny to me is people will do they'll say oh i, I want to do all this diversity and, and that's fantastic right you should always be diverse in case the market changes especially in construction but you got to also have your bread and butter right and when your bread and butter is one avenue man be the best in town do whatever it takes to be the best at that and people will buy from you if you have a brick and mortar if you set up shop tomorrow and you say, I'm John's HVAC company and you put your name on the side of the building, eventually it may take years. It may take a long time. Eventually, because you have a building, somebody's going to stop and knock on the door and say, Hey, my air conditioner is <laughs> broke. Do you guys fix air conditioners? That's, that's a way. To yes, you. we do. Yeah, finally, two years. <laughs> We've been yeah. waiting for you. Exactly. Um, <laughs> but, but there is, there is people that are going to, you know, because you have a brick and mortar, you're going to do some sort of sales at some point, get some phone call and, you know, it's just going to happen naturally, but that, that shouldn't be the, that shouldn't be the base of how you sell, right? Oh, I, I am this company and we have this brick and mortar. So therefore everybody will buy from me because I put a, a sign out on highway six, right? That's, that's a form of sales and advertising, but it's not, it's not how you sell. It's not what you do. Um, but, but heading into those vertical markets, right. Is you got to have your bread and butter. And until my goal is always 51% of the market share, just the majority, right. I, I don't want a hundred. I want 51%. <laughs> you just want I mean, the majority. I do. That's, that's, wow. Don't ask for much. I mean, wow. I mean, but it's a, it, but it's a good goal. Right. So, and it's achievable in a lot of places. So, you know, if I do, if there's five companies out there that do, exactly what I do and they can do it as well as I do. I want to figure out how to do it a little bit better and get to that 51%. When I'm at that 51% of market share in my business, then that 49%, that's my diversity, right? But that 51% is my bread and butter. That's what I'm going to be the best at. And then as our company grows, I start to build those vertical markets in the same avenue and the same, in the same way I built my bread and butter. But if you don't have one, that, to my point, if you don't have a bread and butter, and you're not motivated around any of them to the, speaking to motivation, eventually they're all going to crumble or they could all crumble. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I just think you got to be really careful about. Um, so, so to the point of what we're talking about, I do come in and I, I see all these, um, I see all these people that they call great customers and now oh, we make a ton of money with them. Sales and profit are two very different things. I can sell, if I could sell everything in a negative gross margin and do it for less than, and sell it for less than cost, doesn't mean my company's going to make any money off of it. And and the salespeople we get, 
we tend to get really one-sided on, hey, I sold $20 million last year. Yeah, but we lost $2 million off the $20 million you sold. So really, you sold negative $2 million. That's the way I look at it, right? And so you can't be, you can't look at one line on a spreadsheet. You can absolutely not do it. You always should be chasing that profitability. Because if I can do $10 million and make $500,000 or do 20 million in sales and lose 2 million, I'm doing the 10 million making 500,000 all day long, right? And- well, and not to catch up, but I, we may be actually speaking, I, I mean, because there are guys that sell you know, this widget and it gets on this kind of commission, right? I mean, you can even go to that, to, to that point and say, okay, you've got a certain level of motivation, but you also have to have a certain level of discipline to get up and do that every day to get your counts in, to get and And there's nothing wrong with that guys. I mean, there's literally nothing wrong. If you're told you got to sell so many iPhones or so many phones because you work at AAT&T or so many, you know, whatever your unit of measurement is, if you if you're expect if you get a dollar every time you sell it, you need to figure out how many you need to sell, get your game plan together, and then get disciplined, like John said, about your metrics, and and then to Clint's point, you know, find those good customers, right? And and, and you know, the ones are qualified to buy a phone or buy whatever. So th- there's a couple of different, you know things you got to put together, but it doesn't have to be hard and you don't have to stay super motivated. You just have to stay super disciplined about what it takes to get to whatever you need month in, month out. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you, I, I actually had a guy recently uh, that worked for me that I watched him. Um, you could go back in his kind of sales record and he was selling really well, selling really good margin work. And he wasn't chasing these huge jobs. He was just he would, you know, we always set a target average project size for me this year was 750,000. That's what we wanted our average project size to be. You know, that, that means you're going to sell some $4 million jobs. That means you're going to sell some $60,000. Didn't, didn't you sell one of those today? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, no, I sold the smaller end. I sold the, uh, one of what we call a really a small project, but you need those to keep guys working. You need workflow constantly. You need revenue incoming, right? And and especially in COVID and this year, you take, you take whatever you can get. But, you know, we're also looking at when I sell a job like that, it, we're really looking at when does it close? When does the revenue hit? Because if it's not, if it's a big job, but it doesn't start till 2022, man, that doesn't do anything for my finances right now. It projects well and it gives us hope for the future, but I need money and revenue to keep the lights on today and I need those jobs. So I watched him, I watched his, uh, or I saw his financials for over the years before I got here. And he sold all those. And then one year he sold a $12 million job, right? And he got the taste of a commission and the reward. And he got that taste for the big, we call it the whale hunter, right? Like a casino. They're always looking for the whales, right? He got, he got that taste and uh, his sales plummeted at over oh, the wow. next five or six years, right? Mm-hmm. And um, the first thing I, I, I spoke to him about in the first month we, that I was here after going through all that stuff, I said, you know, man, I, I really need your fo- focus on the just. A, I, I just want you to get a two hundred thousand dollar job this month. I don't care how you get the two hundred thousand. That's what I need you to do. But month after month after you know weeks on end, and we gave him plenty of chances. He always brought in these opportunities that were fifteen million dollars, thirty million dollars. I'm like, look, our you know our our opco is only thirty million dollars total. I don't want to take on a thirty million dollar project. Why are you even bringing this? You know, that's such a stretch from a $200,000 project. So I watched his motivation plummet because 
now he's not selling anything. Now he's getting zero. And he's always trying to make up for that loss. And so he just, you know, his motivation felt flat. And, uh, and money can do that, right? Money's not, money's a motivator for some, but it can also be a deterrent for others. Okay, and I, I'd, I'd like to speak to that as well, because you hit really on a topic that came through this conversation. I know the same type of individual, guy earned 750K because he, he was in telecommunications and he was selling hardware and then the residual. So he nails a big uh, phone bank or whatever it is, ends up with uh, 750K that year and then struggled, right? struggle because his lifestyle went like this mm-hmm. and and from what i understand man it it kind of ruined him i mean and, and that I, I speaking to what you just said you get one of these big jobs now you're the big dog and you got mm-hmm. all that going on and you and you lose that motivation or you shift your focus to that needle in the haystack no 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 you spoke to the to point stay in your lane if this is what's got you there and while you're still in that lane, be looking. Be yep. and now you know what to recognize, and you can smell it and see it. But if that's if that, if you're hanging your hat on the fact that you can do, re, repeat these once in a lifetime sales, uh, be careful. Be careful. Yep. I mean, I, I watch I watch it happen even as like company uh, company projections month to month. Not not necessarily what we do, but I've seen it in other companies where. Um, you you project, uh, you know, let's say a million dollars in sales for the month of January and January ends and you've only done 300,000. So now you have this debt of 700,000 you have to make up. So everybody, you know, and if that goes on for a few months, now it's getting towards, you know, the second, third quarter, maybe even the fourth. And so what you do is you try to sell these huge jobs. And the problem is, is you focused on, on bringing nothing in the door that actually comes in today. Uh-huh. And, and you don't get that $14 million job to make up for your deficit. Yeah. Now you just don't have anything. And, th- and that's what happens to a lot of companies. And, and, and motivation ties into all of that because success is motivating. I, I, don't, I don't care what personality type you are. If you're successful, whether it's money or you're winning jobs or your company's doing well, the people around you are successful. Everybody, it's uplifting. It's, it's called morale, good morale. And, uh, and, and it has a lot to do with winning produces, I think, a lot of motivation. So in those moments, right, because I, I think about this all the time, like I would rather have the guy who's going to book or is going to have seven $20,000 jobs in his pipeline than the guy who's going to have, you know, the, the 140,000 one shot. Like I would much yep. rather take the guy who's going to be consistent. Oh, sure. And I, I wonder how much of that is like learned behavior because a bunch of sales managers don't look at data. They don't care about process. They're just focused on results because like that's what they were able to provide. So, so they're building that culture inadvertently. And so, and so that's why these sales guys are like, man, I, I have, I have, a, I have a $50 million project boss and it's, yeah. it's any day now. Yep. And any day turns into seven or eight months. Yep. And, and I will tell you that um, I, I've always been curious of why, and I, we're getting a little bit off topic of motivation, but I've always been curious of why operations managers are always, when, when you're selecting that next president, it's it's usually never from the the sales side of the company or the pre-construction, you know, my business, the pre-construction side, it's always the operations, right? Um, and so when an operation guy gets in, in charge of everything, he wants, typically he just wants numbers, right? Okay, they're, at, you know, corporate's asking me to produce numbers. So, okay, pre-construction department, give me your projections for the month. And 
whether they're valid or not, he just gets these numbers constantly, right? Okay, well, the guy the guy doesn't know what we're we're scheming, so I'm just going to give him a whole bunch of bullshit numbers. I'm going to tell him, look at look at this huge pipeline, and then month to month that pipeline just keeps pushing, and it's all bullshit, right? Nothing produces. By the time you realize that nothing's going to produce, that guy's getting fired, right? I mean, it, it just happens. I watch it happen all over the place, and so you know, it's always interesting to me that I always wish we had. And, and I'm not saying that the sales guy should be go, you know, should be your next move for president, but I'm saying there should be some influence there. You know, he needs some knowledge. He needs to spend some time on the, on the side, because if you look at where every business started, it always started from a sale, right? Every, every guy that started his own little business, he had to sell something, right? And then he sells out and he moves on and retires or whatever. That's always lost and uh, it, it needs to be remembered. Oh. Yeah, agree completely. Yeah, really yeah. I like that. So we we're we're over time, guys. Um, and you know, we talked about wanting to talk about talent because that's something else that people talk about as as being a necessary component. We'll need to do that on another day, so that way we don't just you know go on forever. Um, and I think we've done because we're a little bit long. I don't think we need to go kind of go around the horn again. I think we we've all made it pretty clear that motivation is a factor, right? You got to find it in some way, shape or form, but it's not going to be enough without looking for the, the other stuff, right? The skills, the techniques, the, the discipline. Yeah. The discipline, you know, to, to Al's point, right. Which, you know, is really, is really interesting to hear Al talk about that, right? Because typically eyes are not the day-to-day people, right? They're, they're, they're the visionary, right? There's a great book about like entrepreneurship. It's called Rocket Fuel. And it's talking about the idea that people kind of fall into one of two categories, right? Your visionaries or you're uh, blanking on the name of it, but you're, you're an implementer, right? So you do the day-to-day, right? And, and good businesses have this kind of balance, right? There's the idea person and then the person who can like actually act and, and implement and handle the day-to-day carrying out of those ideas. Nan's giving me a thumbs up. Um, yeah. It's got to have everybody. Yeah. And so, um, I love that that Al like knows that you know as an I right that that some of that discipline is just not in his toolkit right like and I come to it for, from a different way and so does Clint and so does the net but like you just have to find find where it lives for you and like how do you want to do this thing because it's always easier to go do something else is kind of the kind of the thing that I think about so awesome anybody have any last thoughts before we before we wrap this up I didn't want to speak out of turn. Okay. Awesome. So guys, if you're listening to this, you know, somebody else in sales, we say it every week, but please share this with them. We make this job so hard, right? At, at the end of the day, we talked about a little bit about this, like, this is not, this is not a hard job, but it's not simple, right? Um, we, we make it difficult internally. So if you know somebody else in sales um, and they're not listening to this, please share this with them. There's a lot of people talking about all the other side of sales around, you know, techniques and all everything else like this we're firmly of the opinion that you can know all those techniques, but if you don't know yourself, it's not going to work, right? At least not repeatably and consistently. So take the time to know yourself. If you have not taken the assessment, please reach out to us, 817-345-7449. We can get you the assessment. And if you would like, we'll, we'll actually go over the assessment results with you and kind of talk about how this shows up in your conversations and in your relationships. If you're watching on YouTube, please like and subscribe. Uh, you're, getting to, you're getting to see Al's amazing, amazing. Oh, he doesn't have it in the frame. Never mind. There it is. Get it. Get it. There it is. There it is. Our special guest. 
of, yeah, of the yeah. episode. I'm not even going to drop the name. You got to go check it out on YouTube. Um, <laughs> yeah. So sp special guest appearance. Um, yeah. Like this, like, and subscribe, please leave a comment. If you have a question or if you're stuck on something, you would like our opinion on it, you're going to get at least four, if not more than that. So ship it over. We'll talk about it on the show. If we don't talk about it on the show, it, one of us will text you and kind of give you some, some, some advice. So We'll see everybody next week. Thanks for um, coming out and listening to us. If you're a veteran, thank you so much for your service. We, we all appreciate it. And there's not much left to this year. So go out and be, and be productive and, and get it done and also start your planning for next year. Thanks everybody. Cheers. Bye-bye.